assures us in Ephesians 2 verses 8 to 10, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Welcome to Faith to Faith. Here are your hosts, Etienne McClintock and Braden Enterman. Dear listener, welcome to the program. Thank you for joining us again today. It's always a pleasure to have your company. And just as we start, we invite you just to bow your heads for a word of prayer. Gracious Father in heaven, we're so grateful for all your love, your mercy, and your grace, Father. Your grace, your superabounding grace. And today, Father, as we discuss the power that God has given us, delegated us through Jesus Christ, his son, we just pray that you would bless us, help us to understand what you mean to us, what this means for us in our lives, and the victory we can experience through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Bless us now as we open the scriptures, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So today's program is called The All-Powerful Reign of Grace. That sounds so good, doesn't it? It, it? it is a wonderful title. And look, as much as that sounds like great news, the news is far greater than that. We don't have the language to actually explain it. That's like what the Bible says, eye has not seen nor ear heard, nor yes. has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has gone to prepare for those who love him. Yes, not entered into the heart of man. And, and we even can look at that text there in uh, Ephesians chapter 3. We may have even quoted this in previous programs, but it's such a wonderful text. It's probably one of my favorites. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 where it actually says there Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think So here it ties in with that you know has not even into the hearts of man what God has prepared for those who love him Exceeding, Exceedingly abundantly above it's, it's a triple adjective there Exceedingly abundantly above Any of those would be great If it's just above that would be wonderful Because above means obviously it, it exceeds and then when it says exceedingly, well, that is obviously exceeding again. And then abundantly, there's it's not overflowing. a overflowing, a superabundance of above what we ask or think. And it says according to the power. Now, that word power there again is dunamis power. We've unpacked that previously. The power that works in us. So there's a power that works in us that can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Now, if we if we realized that and truly had that internalized, what hmm. Wonder what our experience with with God would be. Well, I think it'll be one of joy. Absolutely, like one of peace, one of happiness, one so, of victory. So many people bemoan, um, just and they say it's so hard to be a servant of God. It's so hard to be a Christian. It's so hard to do right. But when you've got God working in you, both mm. to will and to do of His good pleasure, when the Spirit of God is upon you, when you've had your heart. Uh, recreated It's kind of like that that ancient prophecy About the work of the Messiah In Psalm 40 and verse 8 Yes, Where it says I delight to do your will O my God Your law is within my heart mm. Imagine that Delighting what, What's another way to say that Like being super excited Being That's right. just passionate Just over the moon excited To serve God mm. I delight to do the will of God And this is what the plan of salvation entails. It's it's not just some little. Um, the, the, the plan. Another way to say it would be this: the plan of salvation is far greater and far more extensive and far more impactful than we could possibly think. Yes. Wow. Now it it it, it tells me about you know us not conforming to the world but being transformed by the renewing of our mind. We're actually able to through this transformation, the renewing of the spirit of God and by the grace of God, we're able to prove what is good and what is acceptable. 
and what is the perfect will of God for our lives. And as we unpack that today, we actually want to get to this text, but we're going to take a little bit of a route to get there. I just want to tell you what the destination is. I think this will be a part one because there's a lot to unpack That's right. under this topic of the all-powerful reign of grace. And this uh, text comes from Romans chapter 5 and verse 21. So, dear listener, if you're not driving in your car listening to us, uh, grab a Bible and uh, keep it uh, close to you because we're going to refer to a few beautiful texts out of the Scriptures today. It says, So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we're going to talk about sin reigning in death and then talking about grace reigning through righteousness. To eternal life So sin reigns And the ultimate reign of sin is death But the reign of grace Which is the reign of righteousness Actually the result is eternal life Through Jesus Christ our Lord So we want to unpack that a little bit Now in the previous programs um, We've looked at Romans chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 We've looked at quite a few of, of, of the statements That Paul makes in Romans About grace and this wonderful topic Of faith and righteousness Faith and justification So we want to unpack that a little bit But the way we get to chapter chapter 5, Romans chapter 1 introduces to us the gospel where Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power, the dunamis power of God unto salvation. And then it has this little caveat for all who believe hmm. because the power is there. But unless we believe, unless we exercise our three free will, our choice, we may actually be denying the power. We may receive the grace of God in vain as we unpacked in a previous program. Can I just say something very quickly yes. here? Um, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And then he gives the reason why he's not ashamed of it. Yes. Because it's not a dry theory. Mm. It's the power of God to salvation or it's God's power that produces salvation. That's it, right. it transforms yes. and it saves. Um it says, for the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel as well. Mm. And I think a, a, just a great application from this is if we in our experience are ashamed of the gospel, odds are it is because we have not experienced the power of God that produces like salvation that. in our lives. Yes. Um, and secondly, um, have not beheld the righteousness of God in it. Mm. Um, We've it, undervalued the power that is available. Undervalued. And if if I was the devil... Um, you know, the Bible says that the devil is um, exceedingly angry. He's angry with God's church because he knows he has a short time. He's mm. on he's on death row and he knows it. Yes. But he's just trying to cause as much havoc as possible. And he's trying to convince people uh, that that is actually not the case when it is. That's right. So he's. It's all propaganda, isn't it? It's it's totally propaganda. And if I was the devil, what I'd be trying to do is hide or basically slip the wool over people's eyes, trying to blind them to the power of the gospel. I wouldn't mind them reading the Bible so long as they don't experience the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in a brand new heart. And so what the devil wants us to do is to be kept in a place where we um, are just, we're, we're afraid to do right and we're afraid to do wrong. We're just stuck in the middle somewhere. Mm. And he wants us to just, Feel it's just hopeless. We're just a hopeless case. We're always going to sin. We're always going to be struggling. Yes. Um, he wants people to stay there. He doesn't want them to know that there is power in the gospel. There's this power that can transform our lives exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. That's right. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I like the, the, the analogy there with, you know, the wool being pulled over people's eyes. In other words, they're being blinded to the reality that we actually see in the gospel. 
Second um, Corinthians chapter four and verse four talks about whose mind the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. And you know that's chapter four of Second Corinthians. Chapter three of First Corinthians talks about a veil who was left over the, the the people of Israel. It says that their minds were blinded in verse fourteen of chapter three. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament. They don't actually see the power of God. They see the power of his Christ. It says because this veil is actually taken away in Christ. So we've got to allow Christ now through his word and through the Holy Spirit to take this veil away so that those minds that have been blinded would be given an eye self so they can see and they can have their discernment regarding the the awesome power and the beauty of the gospel. Isn't this interesting? The only power that the devil has, according to this Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4, is just to hide from our eyes the things that really are. Mm. He doesn't have a, an alternative. All he does, and he's done it from the very beginning, he has no good alternative. He just simply hides from view the glorious goodness of God and his plan for our lives. And so for someone who's got a, a blindfold over their eyes and they don't realize it, they, they're convinced that they know what's going on. Yes. But what, what they don't realize is the, the glorious beyond. It's, it's, it's who God is. And what it says here is the glory of Christ, mm. who is the image of God shining on them. And so God wants to reveal the, his goodness and his mighty long suffering and his ability to be able to save us. All the devil can do is just hide that from us. That's right. And when you hide the truth, what are people going to swallow? Yeah. Lies. He's the father of lies. He's going to sell you a lie regarding the character, the nature of, of God. Now, it's interesting in verse 6 of that same chapter, it says, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. That's obviously a um, an allusion to creation. Yes. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Mm. So here, God equates the void, um, dark abyss of the earth before light shone with our hearts. It's a place where no light is dwelling. Mm. And it reminds me in Isaiah chapter 16, verse 1. Okay. It says, Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And then it describes the earth. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Mm, That is so powerful. So what happens is in that darkness, the light of Christ, the light of the glory of Christ will shine, and this light will do something to transform and change these people who previously were sitting in darkness. It's interesting, right? Mm. And, And darkness isn't anything. Darkness is just the absence of light. That's right. And that's the devil's kingdom. It's just nothing. It's, it's just it's the a absence. Kingdom of, it's referred to as the kingdom of darkness, isn't it? That's right. It's just the it's the kingdom lacking all things good and all things wholesome, mm. um, and he wants to keep us trapped in that. Um, just a few chapters back in Isaiah chapter nine, we have this ancient prophecy about the coming of the, the Messiah King, who will set up his kingdom, this eternal kingdom of peace, uh, on this planet. He's actually called the Prince of Peace. But at the beginning, I find it very very interesting. Uh, This is verse 1. It says, Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed, as when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward more heavily oppressed her. 
by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan in Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. Mm. And those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. This is so fascinating. A Gentile stronghold where paganism was just rife. It describes that they were living in darkness. Living in darkness, the region and shadow of death. And it describes prophetically the time when Jesus the king of glory would come to this world to take the gospel to them and to, and to set them free. Mm. Down in verse 4, it says, For you have broken the yoke of his burden. See, the devil wants to put a yoke on us. Um, he doesn't want us to experience true freedom. That's right. And, you know, that introduction you read there talks about those who live in gloom, who are distressed, and it talks about them also that those who are heavily oppressed. This is the result of, of the principles lived out in the kingdom of Satan. That's right. And we have examples of that. You know, when people get rid of God altogether in society, we see examples of that where oppression and uh, terror takes over. And, you know, one of those, those places in history we can think of is the French Revolution. And in the French Revolution, you've got, uh, is it Voltaire and Robespierre and all those guys who uh, introduce this reign of terror and for a period of, what, just over a year, I think it was 13 months from, from about June 1793 to right, about yep. July 1894, you have this reign. 1794, yep. What well, I say, 1794, <laughs> yes, yes, only 13 months. During that reign, how many people were, uh, were sentenced to death? Um, There's f- officially 16,594 official deaths. Wow. Not, now that's a lot of deaths yeah. on a daily basis over, over just over a year. So uh, we've worked it out uh, before. That's about, what, 42 executions per day per day during the reign of terror. No one would have been secure. No one would have felt safe. That is a typical example of when you get rid of God. Now, what they were actually doing there, they were getting rid of uh, false Christianity, uh, uh, a corrupted Christianity. That's right. But they got rid of everything. They threw the baby and the bathwater out. And what was left over was this reign of terror where secularism got involved with them and no one trusted anybody anymore. That's right. And that is just a little tiny microcosm mm. of the entire reign of terror, the, gr- the great reign of terror of, uh, or the not so great <laughs> reign of terror of the devil. Yes. And he's kept this world in darkness, viciously holding them in darkness. And I love this ancient prophecy because mm. it says that um, their, the yoke of their burden will be broken. It says yes. the staff of, of his shoulder the rod of his oppressor, as in the days of Midian. Um, the days of Midian, it says, yeah. And which is interesting, that's an, an allusion back to to Gideon with his 300 men who um, delivered the nation of Israel from the oppressors, the Midianites. They had, what was it, 135,000 men. That's right, about 120,000 of them actually perished during this war with 300 men pursuing them. 300 men, and that's one for every 450 Midianite soldiers. Wow. So we've got this picture of a massive deliverance. We've got a leader, Gideon, Mm. with a very small group of people who lead an assault on the the camp of of oppression and wickedness, and all they take is trumpets and some, like, lanterns or some lights, and they stand all around the camp. They blow their trumpets, shine the light, and in terror... The, 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 this enemy of darkness just they would get frightened they start killing each other and there's a massive slaughter mm. a little tiny group one man with a little group of people taking on this massive force of darkness at night time and shining the light into it 
And it's very fascinating that in Galilee of the Gentiles, as this prophecy predicts, um, a man by the name of Jesus, who happens also to be the creator of the universe, gathers a small group of people around him mm. and leads a full a full scale assault on the kingdom of darkness. It says here, for unto us a child is born. This is Isaiah 9 verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal or the, the passion of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Wow, what a powerful promise. But what I love about that is that when, when Jesus establishes the government, there's obviously two phases to it. There's the, the, the kingdom of grace, and then there's the kingdom of glory to, to mm-hmm. come afterwards. But even during the kingdom of grace, it says, of the increase of his government and his peace, there will be no end. So what Christ started 2,000 years ago was never to finish. It's to run all the way through. And the only thing that can actually hinder it at an individual level is our lack of belief. That's right. In the promises of God. What we're seeing here is a full takeover. Mm. The devil has got this um, keeping people in darkness, this region of, of the shadow of death, um, which is really the whole world as well. And then the, the Prince of Peace comes to this world. And just like Gideon, he leads this assault against darkness and shines the light of his truth and opens blind eyes. And he's just, he's a conqueror. And it says yes. that his kingdom will last forever. And if if we have that victorious picture of Christ and everything that he's trying to accomplish, what, how will that affect our Christian lives to know just how much, just how much power he has That's right. um, to conquer the, the powers of darkness? Mm. So as we look at the book of uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 21, we're actually talking about the all-powerful reign of grace. And it contrasts it with the, the reign of sin, which leads to death. And that's Romans 5, 21. Now, all the way through Romans, we see about this issue with people sitting in darkness and then how God brings them back. Because it's very clear if you go to Romans chapter 2 there, it talks about how it's the goodness of God, it's the light of God and the glory of God and his righteousness that leads people to repentance. Romans chapter 2 and verse 4 says there that, Do you despise the riches of his goodness, his forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that it is the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. It is God's glory. It is his justice. But more than his justice is his righteousness, you know, that brings us to repentance. And as we go through the Bible, then we see there in, in Romans chapter 3, for example, there that there's no one righteous. No, not one. There's no one that understands. There's no one that seeks after God. So it just shows you how all-encompassing the grace of God is to take all of these people in and to offer them salvation. It says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then it says that we are justified freely by his grace. Going to chapter 4 then of Romans, it says there, Romans chapter 4 and verse 5, But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. So taking those people out of darkness, the people who were in darkness themselves, and then changing and transforming their lives through Jesus Christ and making them a light to the world. It says, Jesus says to them, you are the light of the, a light of the world. What an interesting, I love those words, justifies the ungodly. Mm. I praise God for those words because um, if it was not for that hope that God can do something yeah. to save the ungodly, you know, Jesus, it says in Matthew one twenty one, um, you shall call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. That's right. Um, for not just from the consequences, mm. but from the very disease itself. That's right. He's going to totally 
fix us, and that's his glorious work of salvation. That's oh, it's, it's beautiful. You know, then you get to Romans chapter 4 and verse 25 there. It says that Jesus was delivered because of our offenses, but he was raised because of our justification. So here we can see that God took all that bad, and because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, he was able to deliver us all from our offenses and raise us justified in him. So from there, then we get into Romans chapter 5. We read about, you know, having been justified both by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So where we may be in the past had warfare against God, you know, our hostility. natural the hostility. It says that the natural man or the carnal mind is enmity towards God. It's not subject to his law, nor indeed can it be. There's a transformation now. We lay down our weapons against the Lord and we take up the gospel of peace. And it says that being justified by faith and others by believing the gospel we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Then it also talks here in verse 5 of Romans 5 that, you know, God has poured out in our hearts his agape, his self-sacrificing love by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Now, that pouring out just reminds me of what we covered in some previous lessons. You know, when God pours something out, it overflows. Our cup overflows. There's more than we can bear. And the agape love, and this love is the love that fulfills the law of God, you know, that, that self-sacrificing love. Is poured in in our hearts so abundantly that it overflows. So we can't even hold it back. We can only share that love with others. And it's demonstrated in the lives we live because of our faith in Jesus Christ. Then we get into Romans chapter 5 proper now where it talks about that Christ actually died for the ungodly. Again, for those who sit in darkness. And that's verse 6. And then in verse 8, we, we, we're told that God actually demonstrate what love looks like. And he demonstrated his own love toward us. In that while we were still sinners, so bad people again, right? Mm. Christ died for us. He didn't come to save and rescue the good. He came to rescue the bad. And through that rescue process, he's able to transform and change what was bad once into good. And then we get into verse 9 there, and there's some words used here. The two words that are used together, and it's used a number of times. Matter of fact, it's used five times in the rest of the verses right to the end of chapter 5. Now, praise God for these, these, these two words. <laughs> these two words are much more. Then it says there in verse 9, much more than having now been, in other words, past tense, having now been, probably past continuous tense we could say, justified by his blood, the blood of Jesus Christ, we shall be, future tense, shall be saved from wrath through him. Much more the first time. Now, much more happens to be repeated the second time in verse 10. It says, for if when we were enemies, we just spoke about being enemies before, we were, past tense, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, those two words again, much more, having been, that's past tense, having been reconciled, we shall be, future tense, shall be saved by his life. So we have much more having now been justified by his blood. And then in verse 10, much more having been reconciled. So having been justified, having been reconciled, it talks about the much more component there. From there, I just want to go through to verse 15, because that's the third time the words much more are used again. It says, but the free gift is not like the offense. It's talking about the offense of Adam and the offense of sin, right? For if by one man's offense many died, much more. So as bad as the, the, the offense is and the fact that many dies. And the consequences that, have been disastrous. Disastrous. There's something that is greater and far better than that. We spoke about a cup overflowing. This much more means overflowing again. Much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. 
much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to the many. Then we go two verses down. Could I jump in there very, yes, very quickly? Sure. Um, the the extent, which is huge, the extent of evil's reign on this planet, it's massive. It's just total. Yes. The 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 reign of grace and God's gift, it just overfloods all of it. Like mm. we we get struggle to get our heads around how dark the reign of terror has been and just how extensive it's been, right to our very core of our hearts. Grace overruns it. Grace yes. overfloods it. It's far greater and far more mm. than anything. It, it can meet the challenge a hundred percent and yeah. more. That, that is so true. You know what you often are used to, you think is normal, but this reign of terror is not normal at all. This is a discordant note in the whole of the universe, which is in harmony with God. And when you're used to something, your familiarity with with something bad, or familiarity with sin, becomes normal after a while. And now I was raised in a country that had a lot of has had a lot of political problems over the years. You know, they had apartheid and everything. And at the moment, the uh, the, the the murder statistic in in South Africa on an annual basis is around twenty three to twenty four thousand people are murdered oh, wow. on an annual basis in that country alone. And people talk about the crime rate there, but for them it's normal. They think that's just some of them still call it the best country in the world to live. You know, and it's just simply because they th- that's their normal. For us here. If those numbers all of a sudden started happening overnight, there would be an outcry and an outrage, and they'd want the demand change immediately. That's right. Now, there's some call for demand, you know, because of all the, the, the murders and the farm murders and so on. But for them who live in that environment and live in that like, conflict situation, that's common, it's common day-to-day stuff for them. So for us here, what we're saying is basically God is trying to open our eyes to see that the reign of terror under Satan is not normal. That there's something that is much more better, that is much more abundant. And this is actually the reign of grace that we are talking about today. It says that so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Braden, it looks like we have run out of time and we've just started scratching the surface. We'll have to do a part two. We're going to come back to your listener. But listen, some of the things that we've touched on here, you can actually go onto our website, 3ABN Australia. .org.au and just click on the listen button or go to the radio one. There's a lot of on-demand programs. At the moment, there's almost 40 programs that you can listen to some of our programs from the past if you've missed out on any of those, which be, which will help you understand some of the things we're talking about today because we're just skimming through some of those as we quickly went through the first few four or five verses of, uh, of Romans. But if you want them to be unpacked a little bit further, feel free to go and listen to those. They're available for you there whenever you want to listen to them. Dear listener, thank you for joining us again today. We pray that God would bless you as you contemplate the exceeding abundance of grace that has been offered to each one of us. Until then, God bless. for joining us on Faith to Faith. If you would like more information about today's program or if you have any questions, please contact 3ABN Australia Radio by phoning 024973-3456 or you can send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. You can also contact us on our 3ABN Australia Radio Facebook page. We love to hear from you.